question. As we anticipate the Lord's Supper this morning, we see this as a place of such a contrast. On the one hand, we realize we are but sinful creatures. We are filled often with doubts and fears and guilt and weakness and frailty. And on the other side, we see that there's a holy and a just God. And Brockle says that the Lord's Supper is, when it's held, it's as if there's a portal open from heaven where, where God comes down, where the presence of God is there, where His, where His Spirit is at work to strengthen and to comfort, where the angels peer down at what is happening here. And it seems like there could be no greater contrast on this earth between such a holy God and unworthy people. But it's such an amazing place where, where God is here present, not in His judgment, but in His love and His favor towards His people. Not to condemn them, but to comfort and to strengthen and to teach them. In the Old Testament, they never had the Lord's Supper, but in, in Exodus chapter 12, they had the Passover, which relates to it. But there's also one other feast that we want to look at here as we read in this chapter of Exodus chapter 24, and our text for today is verses 9 through 11, Exodus chapter 24, verses 9 through 11, where it says, Then went up Moses and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and seventy of the elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. And there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. Also they saw God and did eat and drink. And so this morning we wish to consider as our theme, eating in the presence of the Lord. And we'll see first a supper on Mount Sinai, and then second a type of the Lord's Supper, and thirdly a foretaste of the eternal supper, or supper in eternity. So first, a supper on Mount Sinai. Here we have an account of a meal of fellowship between God and Moses with the elders of Israel, the elders who represent the whole nation of Israel. And what's significant about this is what we read in, in verse 11. It says they saw God, but the Lord did not lay His hand upon them. He, they ate and drank in the presence of God, but He never killed them. And you say, what's significant about that? Doesn't the New Testament say often that God is love and the Bible says God has no delight in the death of the wicked? Well, yes, it says that, but Exodus 33 verse 20 also says where God told Moses, he said, you cannot see my face for no man shall see me and live. God is so holy. It says in Habakkuk 1 that he's of purer eyes than to behold evil and he cannot look upon iniquity. No sin can enter his presence. No sinner can stand before him. But he must punish fully all sin. But here, these ordinary people eat in the presence of God. So let's consider first where this meal was. It says they were on Mount Sinai, or at least on the base of Mount Sinai in the middle of the wilderness. On 
this mount where a few chapters earlier it said it could not be touched. God said in Exodus 19 it had to be fenced off lest anyone should touch it. If even an animal touched it, they had to die. It was on this mountain where they ate in the presence of God and lived. And we can ask, when was this meal held? Well, verse 9, it begins by saying, then Moses, or then went up Moses. And that word then signifies something that has come before it. So there are several events that happened before this meal could take place. We know, first of all, that Israel was taken out of slavery, out of Egypt. In chapter 12, they left. After more than 400 years of slavery, they were now delivered from this bondage and brought out into the wilderness. And now after about three months of traveling through this wilderness, they arrive here at Mount Sinai. It happens after their deliverance. But it also, secondly, happens after God's covenant promise. Many years before, He had made His promise to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, but now here also, he, in Exodus 19, verse 5, he, he tells the nation of Israel He has chosen them to be His people, His special treasure, His holy nation. His meal comes after the promises that God gives. But thirdly, this meal also comes after God's law. After He audibly gave this law from Mount Sinai in Exodus 20, He gave them this law as the requirements for maintaining this covenant He had made with them. It's a law that He gives them 450 years after giving Him the promise. This is their guide to direct Him in living in this covenant. But it also comes fourthly after the people had heard this and had agreed to keeping these terms of the covenant. In chapter 24, verse 3, as we read, and they said, all, that the words, all the words which the Lord had said, we will do. Every covenant is an agreement between two parties, between God and His people. There's obligations and there's promises. But then fifthly, this meal also comes after the sacrifice that Moses made on an altar. Moses offered oxen for a burnt offering to atone for sin and also for a peace offering. And it's that peace offering that was eaten here in the presence of the Lord. And so this meal then comes after this covenant was ratified by the sacrifice and by the shedding of blood of this animal. And Moses sprinkled this blood on, on the altar, and then he read that book of the covenant to the people again, and the people again said, we agree with the terms of this covenant, all that the Lord has said we will do and be obedient in verse 7. And then lastly, sixthly, Moses sprinkled the people with the blood. And this signifies that they had been set apart as this holy nation of God, as a people according to His covenant terms. And in verse 8, Moses said, this is the blood of the covenant which the Lord has made with you according to all these words. And it was then, verse 9, after all those events, then Moses went up, and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, and the seven elders of Israel, and they saw the God of Israel. Then they could go meet with God. Not before. Not without being delivered from Egypt out of bondage. Not 
before the sacrifice was sacrificed, not without the burnt offering or the peace offering, and not without the sprinkling of blood being applied to the people. And this one sacrifice here represents that this nation has been reconciled to God by Himself. And the sprinkling of blood represents that they've been set apart as God's own holy people. Then they saw God and ate and drank in His presence. That was the when. And with who? Well, it was with God. It was with God that they would eat from the meat of this sacrifice. This was a meal of friendship, a meal of fellowship. It showed that there was acceptance with God with, with the people. And this, this, sacri- this, this meeting was made possible through this sacrifice and through this covenant. And verse 10, it says, They saw the God of Israel, and there was under his feet, as it were, a paved work of a sapphire stone, and as it were, the body of heaven in its clearness. And upon the nobles of the children of Israel he laid not his hand. So they saw God and did eat and drink. And here we see that contrast, don't we? In chapter 20, verse 18, the people saw the presence of God on Mount Sinai as He gave the law. He saw the consuming fire, even as we saw at the end of this chapter, verse 17, where they saw the lightning flashes and the thunder. They heard His voice. They heard the trumpet sounds, and they they backed away from the mountain. They, They were afraid of Him. And they said to Moses, You speak to God so that we will not die. Here they were given a glimpse of the inapproachable holiness of their God. They recognized that no one could come into His presence without a complete conformity to the holy law that He had just given. But because He was a consuming fire. But now at this meal, they receive a different sight of God. Here they receive a glimpse of the beauty and of the majesty of only what is under God's feet. They do not see God Himself, but only something of the glory that is even just under His feet. It's a heavenly splendor. And how much greater must God be Himself? And here they sit to eat and drink in a sacrificial meal of fellowship, accepted by this God, this God who cannot look upon sin, this God who is so holy, and perfect. Psalm 97 verse 5 says, The mountains melt like wax at the presence of the Lord. And when the Israelites saw that thundering and lightning on the mountain, they melted back like wax in terror. But here at this meal, it's as if they melt towards God in love and affection toward Him for His grace and for His mercy and His tenderness to them. They saw God and ate and drank, received into His presence through this covenant sacrifice. And here this meal seals the reality of these promises that God had given to them through the generations. And then secondly, this meal on Mount Sinai, we can see as a type of the Lord's Supper in the New Testament. This also is a very significant event here. The Lord's Supper, you also eat and drink in the Lord's presence, and you are not consumed. 
Here you receive a sight of the glory of God by faith in Jesus Christ. Here the promises of God are sealed to His people. This is the same God who cannot look upon sin and who says that the wages of sin is death. And that's why Scripture also warns us to examine ourselves that we do not come in an unworthy manner. But here, ordinary people, believers, eat in the presence of a holy God. And Hebrews 12 says that we do not come to Mount Sinai that cannot be touched, a place that was so terrifying that it says even Moses trembled and quaked. But Hebrews 12 verse 22 says, But you have come to Mount Zion, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. The Lord's Supper is a meal of fellowship between God and His people, not just the elders of Israel, but a meal for all believers. And where is this meal held? Well, in every faithful Christian church. But the first Lord's Supper was held in the upper room in Jerusalem with the Lord Jesus, not on Mount Sinai. But here the Lord Jesus met around the table with His disciples where He instituted the supper. And if you read in Luke 22, verse 14, you consider when this meal was held. It says, when the hour had come, and Jesus sat down and the twelve apostles with Him. So there was also a specific time when, when this meal was made possible. And it comes after that covenant that God made with the Son, Jesus Christ, to redeem His people from slavery to sin. It comes after the Lord Jesus Christ was sent into this world to come into this world, to, to live according to His holy law, to, to keep His law in every aspect, to obey it perfectly, which the Israelites who said they would keep the law, they could not. And we who desire to keep the law were saying that we do, we cannot keep it perfectly, but Christ did. And thirdly, the supper comes after that sacrifice to atone for sin. Moses offered some oxen, but the same night in which the Lord Jesus instituted the supper, he was betrayed and he was hung on the cross. He offered himself as the one perfect sacrifice for sin, the sacrifice that was accepted by God, his Father, the sacrifice that turned away the wrath of God against sin, that holy wrath that burns against all sin. And through this one sacrifice of Christ on the cross, this covenant of grace was then ratified. Christ sealed that covenant with his own blood, a covenant that could never be broken again. And there's no peace with God outside of Jesus Christ, outside of this sacrifice. There cannot be any fellowship with God without this one sacrifice. Because Hebrews 12 says, for our God is a consuming fire. That's what the Israelites saw in, on Mount Sinai. But Moses was the mediator for Israel. He entered that cloud to meet with God. But now there is peace through Jesus Christ our Lord the mediator of the new covenant. Christ entered into that consuming fire. He entered that wrath of God against sin when He was nailed to that cross on behalf of His people. And then fourthly, this Lord's Supper comes after it was 
officially instituted by Christ in that night. Shortly before, he would offer himself on the cross. And he said, do this in remembrance of me. It is to be held after the death of the Lord Jesus Christ, showing that there is now access to eat and to drink in the presence of his Father for all believers. And then you might say, well, when is this supper now for me? The Lord's Supper comes after the blood of the covenant is applied to you. Moses sprinkled that blood on the people. But here is a meal of fellowship for God for those who have been delivered from God from spiritual bondage. Like Israel is delivered from slavery in Egypt, God now leads all His people out of the slavery of sin. And just like Moses sprinkled that blood of the animal over the people to, to signify the application of that, that covenant of being set apart, that the blood of the covenant is applied to your heart by the Holy Spirit through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all your sin. The Lord's Supper is for you who have learned to know that contrast, that though we do not keep the law, that though you do not feel worthy, though you recognize a little of that holiness of God that you feel you cannot approach unto, and when you see that contrast, you say, how can I come to that table? But it is for those who have find that godly sorrow in their heart for sin, and yet trust in this one sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ, and that in Him there is forgiveness for the greatest of sinners. Here there is peace with God found through Jesus Christ. Peace with God through this sacrifice that He has given, a sacrifice that's fully accepted by God. Here is where you meet God at the sacrifice, so to speak. The Lord's Supper is not the sacrifice itself, but it represents the Lord Jesus Christ who sacrificed Himself for His people. The visible elements are given to us to remind us, to show us how Christ was sacrificed, how His body was broken, and how His blood was shed. Here all the promises are secured in the sacrifice of Christ. And it's for you then, who have fled for refuge to this Christ. It's not saying you need to be strong in your faith. It's not saying you need to be, have an assured confidence. But it's for you who rest in this one and only sacrifice as the one who kept the law instead of you, as the one who paid for the penalty of sin that you could never pay. But here you see again how God has made a way to remove sin from you and to make it possible for you to eat in His presence and not be consumed. Because we see that this is a meal with God. Here the elders caught a glimpse of the glory of God as they sat there, the majesty and the beauty that was shown under His feet on that mountain. But here you're given a glimpse of the glory of God in the, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not, not even just under His feet, but by faith you can see Him who is the King of kings and the Lord of, of lords and the, the Prince of peace under whose feet everything will, will be placed. 
Israel trembled when they heard the law of God spoken from Mount Sinai, and you also might tremble from time to time when you're reminded of His law and when your soul is condemned before God. You might even promise to, to obey like the Israelites keep promising, but you see you're not able to. And you might begin to melt away in fear at times because you do not dare enter His presence because you know who He is. But here He gives you a little different sight of God. Here you receive a glimpse of that peace and of the beauty and of the mercy and of the loving kindness that He bestows on unworthy sinners. Here you can eat and drink that sacrificial meal of fellowship, fully accepted by God in Christ Jesus. And here you could melt away in love and affection to the Lord Jesus Christ, who has redeemed you and who delivered you and gave his life for you. As John says, we love him because he first loved us. Here God comes to commune with you to fill this place with His presence and His glory, to show His favor towards you. You who doubt so much during the week, we who are so frail and stumble so often, He says, come and see my favor. He says, come and taste of that everlasting love which I have for my people. Here there is acceptance through Jesus Christ that one sacrifice. Jesus said he had such a fervent desire to eat this supper with his disciples because he knew he would not eat of it again until in, in glory. But God here, he shows his fervent desire to meet with his people at this table of the Lord. And his glory shines not only on the mountain, but he makes it shine in your hearts, in the person and in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ through His Holy Spirit. Moses and Aaron and the elders, they ate of that meat of that sacrifice, that peace offering that was shared. But you take, partake of the bread and the wine which represent the blood and the body of Jesus Christ, that one sacrifice that replaced all the animal sacrifices in history. He is that true food and spiritual drink for your soul. The elders of Israel came and obeyed, and we were called to do this in remembrance of Him, to see God by faith. Here you receive a spiritual sight to behold the Savior who broke His body and shed His blood for you. Here you receive that strength and nourishment for your souls, just as bread and wine is given for nourishment for your body, so you can continue on in this wilderness journey of this life, just like the Israelites had to continue through that physical wilderness. But then briefly, we see in the last place a foretaste of the supper in eternity. Jesus said to his disciples in Luke 22, verse 18, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. There is another supper to come. Another supper of which the supper in Mount Sinai is a type of and points forward to. And the Lord's Supper is also a foretaste of that final supper to come. Every Lord's Supper proclaims the Lord's death until he comes again. And when the Lord comes again on the clouds of heaven, 
And as people are brought to meet the Lord, Revelation 19 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give Him glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife has made herself ready. Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then there will be a marriage supper with the Lamb of God, where all God's people will see God and eat and drink with Him in glory. A supper that will be in heaven, no longer in the wilderness, no longer at Mount Sinai, no longer just in the congregations, but then in the presence of God in heaven, the place where no wicked person will enter, a place where no one will enter the presence of God who is not washed in the blood of Christ and has not been clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Revelation 21 says, There shall by no means enter in anything that defiles or causes abomination or lie, but those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. Here at this table, there may be those who remain sitting in their seats who should be here. Or there might be those who come who don't understand that they cannot come. But in this marriage supper of the Lamb, God will be the one who determines and makes sure that every one of His people are there at the table with Him. A supper no longer in the wilderness, but in the glories of heaven, where all sin is gone forever. Everything that ever separated you from God and His holiness will be removed. And the supper will be held when all God's people, through all the ages, have been delivered, have been brought into His fold and delivered from the kingdom of darkness, brought out of slavery of sin, and into the kingdom of His Son. And then will be a supper in the presence of the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, who laid down His life while He was on this earth. And there you'll see Him face to face, not just the brightness under His feet, not just the glories as in the heavens, but then face to face. You'll see Him, for you'll be made like unto Him. All sin removed standing in the presence of the inapproachable God who inhabits eternity. And you'll see glories that our minds now cannot comprehend. Revelation 21 says, The city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminated. The Lamb is the light thereof. In that brightness, in that glory, in that presence, you will be placed. And be no more cursed due to a broken covenant, because this Lamb has made this covenant unbreakable. There you'll be fed from the tree of life forever. And there you'll melt away in eternal wonder that how could God save a wretch like me for no reason other than His own covenant and for His own Son and for His own sacrifice. For now a people to praise Him to all eternity. We deserve nothing but His wrath against our sin. And yet He freely redeems for the sake of Christ. Do we see a little of that eternal contrast that God brings together? And there you can sit in the presence of that God in peace and joy and glory to eat and drink in His presence forever.
and not to be consumed. Today, dear congregation, as we again may celebrate the Lord's Supper together, it's a foretaste of that eternal supper. And may the Lord fill your heart and our hearts with His love and grace as you remember this Lord Jesus Christ who loved us and who gave Himself for us as a ransom for many. Amen. Let us pray. Our gracious and eternal Father in heaven, as we come now before Thee again, we may thank Thee for the Lord Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent into this world to lay down His life as that one and only sacrifice to reconcile unworthy sinners hell-worthy and damnable sinners to a holy God, to wash them, to cleanse them, to reconcile them to Thee, that even now they may eat and taste of that mercy and loving kindness and, and tenderness that Thou hast for them. O Lord, we pray that Thou would be present with much of Thy Spirit according to Thy own word and according to Thy own will. O Thou give comfort to the hearts who need comfort. O Thou give strength and grace. O Thou bring everyone, O Lord, who, who Thou would have to come. O Thou keep those in their seats, O Lord, who Thou knowest, do not yet know Thee through the Lord Jesus. And so we pray for Thy blessing, and we ask for Thy provision, and for a rich measure of Thy Spirit to guide us as we behold the elements which I was given in these sacraments that we may see the visible sign and seal of the promises that Thou givest to Thy people, that Thy Word may have its lasting effect. And so we ask, would Thou hear us, in the name and for the sake of Jesus Christ alone. Amen. At this time we will turn to the form.